two smartphones from, from two of the biggest companies in the world, one that protects data by default and one that doesn't. Apple is a seller of luxury goods. It dominates the high end of the market. Uh, and we would expect a, a manufacturer of luxury goods to have products that uh, include more features. But not everyone can afford an iPhone. That's where Android really, really dominates, at the middle and low end of the market. Smartphones for the billion and a half people who cannot or will not spend $600 on a phone. But the dominance of Android has led to what I call the digital security divide. That is, there is now increasingly a gap between the privacy and security of the rich, who can afford devices that secure their data by default, and of the poor, whose devices do very little to protect them by default. So, think of the average Apple customer. Uh, you know, a banker, a lawyer, a doctor, a politician. These individuals now increasingly have smartphones in their pockets that encrypt their calls, their text messages, all the data on the device, without them doing really anything to secure their information. In contrast, the poor and the most vulnerable in our societies are using devices that leave them completely vulnerable to surveillance. In the United States, where I live, African Americans are more likely to be seen as suspicious or more likely to be profiled and are more likely to be targeted by the state with surveillance. But African Americans are also disproportionately likely to use Android devices that do nothing at all to protect them from that surveillance. This is a problem. We must remember that surveillance is a tool. It's a tool used by those in power against those who have no power. And, you know, while I think it's absolutely great that companies like Apple are making it easy for people to encrypt, if the only people who can uh, protect themselves from the gaze of the government are the rich and powerful, that's a problem. And it's not just a privacy or cybersecurity problem, it's a civil rights problem. So the lack of default security in Android is not just a problem for the poor and vulnerable users who are depending on these devices. This is actually a problem for our democracy. I'll explain what I mean. Modern social movements rely on technology, from Black Lives Matter to the Arab Spring to Occupy Wall Street. The organizers of these movements and the members of these movements increasingly communicate and coordinate with smartphones. And so naturally, governments that feel threatened by these movements will also target the organizers and their smartphones. Now, it's quite possible that a future Martin Luther King or a Mandela or a Gandhi will have an iPhone and be protected from government surveillance. But chances are they'll probably have a cheap $20 Android phone in their pocket. And so if we do nothing to address the digital security divide, if we do nothing to ensure that everyone in our society gets the same benefits of encryption and is equally able to protect themselves from surveillance by the state, not only will the poor 
and vulnerable be exposed to surveillance, but future civil rights movements may be crushed before they ever reach their full potential. Thank you. So, Chris, thank you so much. I,、um, I have a question for you. We saw recently in the press that、um, Mark Zuckerberg from Facebook covers over his camera and does something with his headphone mic jack. So, I wanted to ask you a personal question, which is, do you do that? And then, on behalf of everyone here, and particularly myself, should we be doing that? Should we be covering these things? So, putting a, a sticker, or, or actually like band-aids, because you can remove them and put them back on whenever you want to make a call or a Skype call.、Um, putting a sticker over your webcam is probably the best thing that you can do for your privacy in terms of bang for buck. There, there really is、uh, malware, malicious software out there that can take over your webcam even without the light turning on. This is used by criminals. This is used by stalkers. You can sort of buy 1999 spy on your ex-girlfriend software online. It's really terrifying. And then, of course, it's used by governments. And、um, there's obviously a sort of sexual violence component to this, which is that. This kind of surveillance can be used most effectively against uh, against women uh, and and other uh, people who、uh, who can be shamed in our society.、Uh, even if you think you have nothing to hide, at the very least, if you have、uh, children, teenagers in your in your lives,、uh, make sure that you put a sticker on on their camera and protect them. Wow! Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. And now for another fast-breaking news story, we go to our roving reporter. The podcast Sovereign Tech. Its host, Dr. Brian Sovereign. The tech giants try to stop Sovereign Tech. They can't. You know, you see those Starlink satellites just go across the sky at night like a fucking string of pearls. And you, you know, I can't believe I'm saying this. I, I, I've, I've never wanted to pick up a magnetic railgun and blast something out of the sky so fucking hard before. Oh, but, but Brian, they're, they're private property. You were just shooting down. Well, you know what? The way I see it. Stars are my fucking backyard, and Elon's taking a shit in it. So fuck him and fuck those satellites. Oh man. Well, you know, actually, <laughs> ooh, sorry. The Golden Stallion, the man of tomorrow, Sabu,、so、the rated R radio star, here for you、uh, for another Sovereign Tech supplemental. And something I wouldn't shoot out of the sky would actually be、um, a visiting starship full of Vulcans,、uh, <laughs> because、uh, the day that this is supposed to get released. Uh, is first contact day that being April fifth?、Uh, of course, that's not for another sixty years or so. But regardless, fun.、Um, not fun. I'll probably have much into the future because boy, has CBS and Paramount really, really、uh, turned basically first contact day into something fun for fans into a hallmark holiday, and it's、uh, goddamn annoying. But Anyway, maybe Rob and I will talk about that in an upcoming Tie Fighter Renegades. But that is not what we are here to talk about. We are here to continue our very popular,、uh, what I am calling the ultimate series、uh, for Sovereign Tech, where they are episodes about 
the best thing that you can use right now, basically in 2021. But as always, my recommendations are just as the same way that I think are about the long term. Um, they are not okay. You know, this is best to use for the next six months. No, this is, these are ideas. These are things that are to be used for the next six years plus. So thus far we've done the ultimate browser, which is, you know, for many people and certainly in engaging, uh, the, you know, conventional society today, the browser is the most important piece of software, uh, out there. You really want to get that right. It's even seemingly more important than the operating system than anything. Uh, and then we've gotten into hardware. Um, basically what hardware are you going to run that browser on? And we did the ultimate computer, uh, which got a lot of great response, uh, from that, which covered the GPD micro PC, uh, which I mean, people, you know, the, the people that I've heard from that picked one up, uh, <laughs> I mean, they just, they love it now a slight problem. And this may occur, uh, when, after this episode comes out, so you want to act fast, uh, and I make no money off of this. I made no money from recommending the GPD micro PC. I'm not going to make any money off of what I'm going to recommend here. In fact, it's almost impossible for me to make money off of what I'm going to recommend in this episode, uh, because we are going to be covering the ultimate smartphone. And we'll talk about tablets a little bit in that probably too, uh, because they're old. <laughs> and so like, there's no, there's no real affiliate program for me to even dream of taking advantage of. Not that I would. I am here to tell you not what makes me money, but what keeps you secure in the digital sense. Um, and you know, maybe you can grab some privacy and, and get some value out of what you're picking up. It is not about me making any money off of it. It is about, uh, more people being, uh, digitally secure or engaging in proper cybersecurity best practices, which leads to, well, like I always say, the more secure we all are, the more secure we all are. Meaning that, uh, the more secure, the, the more cybersecurity best practices that people, uh, enact in this world, uh, the more secure I am by default, you know, the more secure my digital life is by default, just because you've also engaged in best practices. And that goes both ways, right? The more secure I am, the more secure you are. So that's, that's my trade-off. That's my reward. And it is, it's cybersecurity best practices are their own reward. There is no need for monetary gain in the matter, though it certainly can help secure your finances and uh, save you some money. So uh, speaking of saving money, <laughs> so when I did the uh, ultimate computer episode and I covered the GPD micro PC, um, that <laughs> in, in no time, uh, the price of the GPD micro PC and its availability, I am not saying that somehow I caused the shortage or an uptick in pricing, but I'm also not denying that either. <laughs> and again, I mean, sovereign tech listeners, you know, we average at about 20,000 uniques per week. Uh, so, or per episode. So, you know, I mean, that's enough people <laughs> for, for a niche product, uh, for, for it to suddenly, you know, run into, wow, uh, that, that price went up fast. Not, you know, again, I'm not going to claim, uh, but also not going to deny. So, uh, when I talk about the smartphones and really it is more than one, though, there is a number one in this list. Um, when I talk about them, there's the good chance that as you hear this, <laughs> 
they, they may go up in price significantly when you try to find them. But smartphones, unlike, you know, the micro PC, uh, even smartphones that are past their, their, their prime, uh, are pretty ubiquitous. I mean, you know, like they get made en masse to the point, you know, they're not niche products at all. Uh, that I, I, I can't imagine that, that these things would sell out or suddenly, you know, they, they'd go up significantly in value. It's, you know, it's not a problem with software when I talk about software, because again, like we've talked about in recent episodes, uh, on, you know, in the sovereign tech feed, uh, when something, you know, digital gets released, I mean, you can make copies ad infinitum basically. And, you know, there is no scarcity despite, you know, others maybe with NFTs or, you know, wanting to do digital trading cards and create an artificial scarcity would, would, would hope that that could happen. Uh, boy, I never hope that happens. We're like, oh yeah, this is a limited edition version of whatever software and you can only get it via an NFT. And man, I would ooh, talk about a backyard I'd shit in <laughs> with pride. Uh, but moving on, <laughs> let's, oh, we don't need to get into that conversation again. Um, let's get into what we want to talk about here, which is the ultimate smartphone. Um, now, actually, that's a bit of an oxymoron. Uh, because really there is no good smartphone. All smartphones are, uh, in my opinion, inherently bad. Uh, it's, it's a bullshit piece of consumer tech that does far more harm than good. Uh, for a while it seemed to be doing good, but then, well, you know, the profiteers creeped in, right? (laughs) You know, let's talk about this for a second. Let's, let's get in a little philosophical background on the smartphone. So the modern smartphone basically became a thing in 2007 when the first iPhone was released. Um, the iPhone will, I'll talk about iPhone, but the iPhone is not what I would call the ultimate smartphone. Even if I wasn't being, uh, oxymoronic with that statement, but it came in with the iPhone and the iPhone, I can admit, you know, was a revolutionary device. Now it was not the progenitor. It was not the, uh, archetype for the mobile revolution that, that honor actually goes to the iPod. The iPod was the truly revolutionary device, but I can admit that yes, the iPhone created a whole new market category. Um, and it's a funny thing. Steve jobs was a paradox because He had all of the drive and passions of an artist, of an explorer, of a creative that was really trying to push forward the human condition, in my opinion. Now, not a perfect person by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, Again, like I said, he's, he was a paradox. Um, I think he uh, had a lot of very personal issues, probably which led to part of the paradox, which is that, I mean, he was also a greedy motherfucker. Uh, and engaged in business practices that I think are absolutely horrendous. And I mean, and, and, you know, maybe, maybe there was some kind of end game in that because I do think ultimately his end game was, was somewhat laudable. Uh, I think that Steve jobs and because you can get direct quotes from him, um, even when he was standing next to none other than Bill Gates say at like the, what was it? The, was it the D five conference? Just a tremendous event. I, I always reference it because it was an amazing hour of, I mean, just quotes you could pull nonstop. Um, but Steve jobs was very much interested and it seemed to be his end game was I want the star Trek future. 
dynamite. I mean, he, I mean, he literally just said, just like, Oh, give me star Trek said that right to Walt Mar- Mossberg. Uh, he also had great attitudes about privacy. He said, no, you know, if it's annoying to the, con- I mean, this was a case where like, <laughs> because this certainly isn't the case anymore. Uh, where even if the consumer didn't exactly understand, he was clearly making a very pro-consumer move, which was, you know, when he talked about privacy and he said very clearly, no, even if it annoys the consumer, uh, you know, or the customer, make it plain as day when something could, could infringe upon your privacy. You make a notification that's annoying as hell. I mean, that's almost exactly what he said. You know, because we, we've, I mean, that, that's just, that's what we, he felt what they had to do as a technology company and right on. So while a greedy motherfucker, I think a lot of his end games were, or his, his ultimate end game, but I think a lot of what he put out there was very much meant to improve the human condition. And he kind of put the, like the iPhone, you've got to understand this. Do you, what? Okay. So, so the iPhone was revolutionary. Fine. What? sold people on the revolution of the iPhone. Do you know what did it? Maps. That's it. Maps. That's what sold people. You think, oh, Spotify, oh, you know, all these, I mean, a lot of this stuff that, that people take for granted on smartphones didn't come until years later, but it was maps. It was the pinch and zoom of the maps and the, you know, the, the navigation and everything. That's what really sold people on it. But the maps part of the iPhone was a fucking afterthought. I mean, you can read about this. It's, it's, it's a phenomenal history to read about. There's a couple books on it. There's, there's other, you know, whatever podcasts and things that, that you could listen to about it. Um, but it was really maps again, which was a complete afterthought put in, in the 11th hour onto the demo for the iPhone. It wasn't like that was intentional, but that's my point is that the iPhone was released, even though it is like in many ways, the first smartphone, it was actually kind of a dumb phone. It was a dumb phone in that it was an, I mean, yes, iOS is an open, but for sake of the conversation, it was an open platform in which, okay, here's this technology that, you know, has this, this horsepower, this, you know, raw processing power and Ram and everything else, figure out what to do with it, boys. And that's when technologies are exciting and have their greatest potential for good is when they are dumb as in they don't necessarily have a, a, like a, a guided purpose, but customers, coders, whatever can figure out what they want to do with it. And that's where choice can happen. And choice is the basis of, you know, human freedom, the human condition, uh, along with art. But anyway, that that's, that's, that's a whole other conversation. So my point is that when, when smartphones were a dumber, more open platform, um, you know, yeah. When, when I, you know, when smart and like when Android came around and basically then you were, you were, you know, tossing Linux on a phone, certainly in the early days before Google really, really took control uh, of Android. And keep in mind that Google didn't originally create Android, right? They bought it, uh, you know, not, not unlike, um, you know, Microsoft buying DOS for 50, 50 K. Right. But when smartphones basically were first becoming a thing, I mean, they were incredibly exciting because they were basically mini computers, you know, and very consumer facing ones at that. And we were still figuring out everything that we could do. The problem is, is that eventually, um, the bean counters came in as it were (laughs) and Facebook came in and Google sunk its teeth in deeper. And essentially, uh, what was originally a very freeing platform 
turned into something that was tracking you right and left and, and like just feeding you with insane notifications uh, to the point that you can't possibly stay in the present moment. I uh, can't even sleep. I mean, it's just, you know, it, it nuts, you know, what smartphones have become and frankly, what they do to us or, you know, how we engage with them. And yeah, it's our choice to engage with them. But of course, I mean, they basically have turned these things into, you know, these little fondle slabs. They've turned them into, you know, Las Vegas slot machines. Uh, <laughs> and, and you're just, you're gambling every time you pick one up. And to make matters worse, not just that, to make matters worse, much of our infrastructure, as in, I guess I should say not our, but much of society's, modern society's infrastructure, it revolves around this thing. To where if you don't have one, that can make things very hard uh, for, for you to do everything from banking to getting food. Uh, and during, you know, uh, the pandemic, I mean, holy hell, you know, I mean, that, that, that's a whole other, uh, well, can of worms to, to open up as far as, you know, trying to basically force you into having a smartphone. It's not uninteresting that governments would basically... Uh, you know, they, they would give you a smartphone. If you didn't have one government assistance is ready to swoop in to make sure you have a smartphone today. And that's been true for, I mean, over, over a decade now, now governments never really did that with PCs. And I think that should, that, that tells a little bit of a story in that, you know, computers themselves as in, you know, laptop or desktop can be a very freeing thing and offer you a lot of choice and give you actual control as to where more of the smartphone is about you being controlled. But like I said, um, you know, I mean, and that's why governments never bought you a computer because <laughs> it removed you uh, uh, from, from their clutches uh, in many ways. You know, I, I've, I've said this so many times that, I mean, it's a sovereign tech axiom that your only country today is your computer, not your smartphone, your computer. And you're going to need a computer uh, to be able to uh, uh, do some of what we're going to talk about um, in this Ultimate Smartphone episode. Because look, for many of us, be it because of work or whatever else, effectively, you have to have a smartphone. Uh, certainly, a smartphone can still be kind of freeing in that it allows you to, say, if you're more of a digital nomad or if you do a lot of remote work, which many companies, I mean, Microsoft's not opening their offices now, even though they plan to, you know, a lot of people are engaging in remote work. Um, you know, it, it can really, really uh, help with that and, and make that plausible while allowing you, I mean, it's, it's such a catch 22 because there's ways in which a smartphone, you know, basically keeps you from ever leaving work, but then at the same time, it allows you to take work with you and hell or, you know, or easily access work maybe while you're, I don't know, spending a day at the beach or something like that, which is a great and wonderful thing. So it, that the smartphone itself is paradoxical. But again, I, I think it's only paradoxical because at one point, smartphones were a good thing, but then the net negatives built up. Well, this episode is about how to rein in. Uh, your smartphone and perhaps get some control over the device that is really trying to control your life. Now, for many years, um, I have spearheaded what I call the dark Android project, which is how do you take an Android device and make it as secure and privacy respecting as possible? Now, while everything I've said in the past, as far as dark Android goes is still true, is still effectively true today. 
um, the options as far as what you can expect out of an Android device have become somewhat limited. Okay. For example, my, like my easy, you know, quick and dirty rules for a dark Android device. Again, that is secure privacy respecting was that it wouldn't have a fingerprint reader, had a micro SD card slot and a removable battery. Okay. Now there, and, and and there was a point also, I mean, I kind of had a fourth one, which was, you know, it shouldn't have a voice coprocessor in it. Basically all four of those other than the micro SD card one, it's still possible to find phones that have, that have that slot. All, you know, basically those, those rules, I mean, like you just cannot get any smartphone that has more than a gig of Ram, um, today, you know, that, that, that follows those rules. So we're not necessarily updating here, but we're keeping that in mind. Uh, however, you don't have to, you know, use, I mean, like you can't do anything about the removable, ba- removable battery part. There are still devices that have removable batteries, right? Um, like a lot of Android go phones go, okay. Geo. And I don't mean like, uh, there might be a mobile service called go, uh, but as an Android go as in like lower end Android, that's still modern. I mean, like there's Nokia phones that will have removable batteries. I mean, it's, it's still, there are some options out there, but if you need something that can actually run most apps. And I mean, actually Android go, even Android go 11 has some very odd limitations with what it can do with, uh, with network access. So I can't really recommend Android go as much as I'd like to, but even when it comes to Android go, I mean, there are better options, uh, as far as Android derivatives, Android alternatives, or what are known as custom ROMs for smartphones for Android based smartphones. And that is of course, lineage OS. And that's really going to be the thrust of this episode is what is the best smartphone that you can buy where you can put lineage OS on it and really get more control of your device. And if you want to even get completely away from the root kit known as the Google play store. Okay. And yes, the Google play store is in itself malware. Uh, I mean, malware, as far as, you know, Google owning your ass to say nothing of cyber criminals and governments, but really I repeat myself there. Um, I am a big fan of lineage OS. Um, I've been installing lineage OS on my smartphones since back when it was cyanogen mod. I mean, I just, I've been doing it forever because it really does free up the phone. I mean, it, it gets past a lot of the artificial scarcity. There's that again a lot of the artificial scarcity that either phone phone manufacturers or that uh, telcos, you know, like AT&T Verizon and so on have put upon smartphone uh, you know, the the smartphone market itself. Uh, For example, one of the easy reasons to, you know, to, to install lineage OS is that a lot of telcos still want to charge you a premium price for uh, for turning your, your phone into a hotspot where it can become a Wi-Fi hotspot that other devices can connect to. Now, if you're using a telco, like say Google Fi, those, they, they're being a little more honest in that they're like, well, data is data. We can't charge you more for it. It's just data. Like who, who gives a shit? You know, <laughs> what, what, what exactly is accessing the data? We're just charging you for the data. Uh, I mean, and, and Google Fi, you know, I mean, kudos at least there to them for that. Google Fi actually does a lot of things, right? I, I did a review episode of Google Fi, um, 
about a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago. I mean, and they, everything from VPNs to other things. I mean, they really, in the abstract, they do a lot of things, right? It's still Google, but anyway. Um, but yeah, there, there's no reason that you should have to pay more for a hotspot. You know, if you use more data than say the, whatever cap, um, the telco has, then there's, you know, there's a cost associated with that, but it's just data. You know, like the data doesn't care where, where the fuck, how, how the data is being used. It just, it just doesn't matter. So it, it's completely artificial, but lineage OS opens that up. But also, I mean, I, and I think really the greatest, I mean, there's a lot of customization that's allowed for and everything. Um, but the two greatest advantages to using lineage OS one is that if you can, it can get you away from Google. Right. And so you don't have to install the play store. Uh, instead you could use say F droid though. There are other, um, app stores out there as well. Uh, but F droid is certainly my, my top recommendation and more importantly, and the most importantly, and, you know, we kind of started this conversation off around, uh, security, cybersecurity. Most importantly is that lineage OS will continue to update and patch smartphones that the manufacturers have all but forgotten, you know, basically wish that they pretend and wish that never existed so that you'd buy their new horseshit. And this really speaks to, uh, one of the major issues and, and one of the highlights that, that shows why smartphones are such a problem. Basically you have billions of devices out there that will never get, uh, security patches or updates but that may still get used or are out there in varying capacities. And this isn't even getting into, you know, the issue, the ecological issues perhaps of, you know, all these throwaway devices, but you'll have all these devices out there that that'll never get patched. Never, you know, that are just rampantly, uh, you know, non-secure and that have turned the internet into, uh, <laughs> it's not a wild West. Um, it, it's, fuck it's, it's a digital Chernobyl or Fukushima. I mean, that's, that's what we're dealing with. And it's inherent because the manufacturers who ultimately control, you know, these smartphones in, in many ways don't care. <laughs> like, like they just don't care if the manufacturers gave a shit about cybersecurity and not just short-term profits but like long-term security and viability of our interconnected world, they'd be patching these things into eternity, but they don't, you know, I mean, and this is where, you know, you say, well, can't this be true for PCs as well? Did they stop getting updates? Oh no, 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 no. There's plenty of operating systems that you could toss onto, onto almost any laptop, any old laptop, any, I mean, even really old laptops uh, that you could still use today and fuck access the internet. If you wanted be secure shit, getting the latest patches and everything from the, you know, whatever the Linux foundation is doing and so on and, and more open source developers. Oh no, 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 no. This isn't a problem that laptops have. Not at all. I mean, yes, it's a problem when there are computers out there or say like ATMs and other things that are still using like windows XP. But as far as, you know, for the customer, for the consumer, when you are, you know, picking up a laptop, I mean, you know, as long as you keep, uh, you know, do some, do some proper physical upkeep on it. Um, and you know, maybe you have to replace the Ram at some point or the hard drive. 
you know, there, there's software out there that that'll last you potentially decades uh, that'll be constantly patched and secure right at the kernel level. But this can also be somewhat true for smartphones, and that is smartphones that could run Lineage OS. Now, it's important to note that Lineage OS has a massive developer community, okay, uh, that keeps the stuff on the up and up. Though even a very large development community like Lineage OS has, um, and, you know, there was a time where Lineage OS, back when it was CyanogenMod, where they were going to try and become somewhat more of a company that was really going to try and be a uh, a competitor, a uh, third man, as it were, in the, you know, duopoly of Android and an iPhone. In fact, it even looked like Microsoft was going to try and get in the game with, you know, Windows Mobile not, not doing very well. But regardless of that, um, even with that massive development community, considering how many different models of smartphones there are out there, um, you know, they, they, they can't upkeep everyone. And so that's why that's, that's a, again, another major reason why I'm doing this episode, because we're going to talk about the smartphones that stand the test of time and that you can get right now. And that will probably continue to be uh, developed for, you know, and where you could get the latest patches and the latest versions of, of lineage OS and so on. Now, before I go into that, I mean, yes, there are other custom ROMs um, out there. For example, there are ones that, you know, have uh, uh, harder concentration perhaps on open source and security, which are fine things. Um, like there's graphene OS. Okay. Uh, and there are others. Here's the thing is that, and this is a similar argument that I make against using like Linux mint and some other distributions of Linux is that I really, while, you know, one developer can make a difference and that's, that's for damn sure. You know, one great developer just putting in the hard work, uh, can really make the world go round, quite frankly. <laughs> and we see plenty of cases with that. For example, open GPG, right? <laughs> but um, when you have a really small development team, I just, I feel like it's too easy for development to just stop or for development to succumb to the whims, sometimes political whims, personal whims, whatever, uh, of certain individuals. And I just... I feel like you're playing with fire, not in the fun way. Um, when you, when you do that. So as much as I appreciate and respect the work behind graphene OS, uh, or there used to be one called copperhead OS and all that, uh, I really would rather recommend people get on board, you know, with something that offers at least 90 to 99% of the benefits, uh, that those options might offer, but have such a strong community around them that, you know, they'll be going and standing the test of time right? Because a lot of this comes down to the question of value as well. You know, when you buy a smartphone for, I don't know, whatever you spend for it, anywhere from a hundred dollars to over a thousand dollars, uh, I think you should get many years out of an investment like that. And that used to be the way that companies thought clearly they don't anymore. They want you spending a thousand dollars every six months on whatever, you know, dumbass block of tracking sensors that you put in your pocket. I mean, smartphones, sorry. Um, but I, 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 that's not, that's not how I like to play. I want something that's going to stand the test of time, but you know, so if your tolerance is, you know, works with, uh, some of those options, you know, some of those, those, uh, you know, a little more niche custom ROMs by all means go for them. 
Okay. I'm, I'm not necessarily speaking against them, but for everybody else, yeah, let's get off of Google's teat, you know, perhaps if we can, and, uh, or at least to, to some greater degree and get on board with, with lineage OS. So again, the smartphones I'm going to cover here are some of the best smartphones. They, they have, you know, their own qualities, but then ultimately they are ones that have been stalwarts in the lineage OS community. And just as a reminder, as we go into this list, uh, where applicable, I will talk about tablets and I will kind of close out talking about iOS, um, after we go through, through this, this list. And it's not a long list, uh, kudos actually to the lineage OS development community, because really for the first time that I can remember, um, they just on April 1st, and this is no April fool's joke, fuck those, but on April 1st, lineage OS released version 18.1, which is basically based on Android 11. Um, So by the way, quick, if you're not at all familiar with lineage OS, you know, as an Android alternative, I mean, understand it can still run Android apps. Um, It can still run the Google play store if you want it to, but I'll put a link in the show notes for lineage OS just in case you're new to it. So you can kind of, you know, get, get what's up. And, and I'll talk a little bit about installing it a little later also. Um, because there's some things that I've learned recently in the install and upgrade process with lineage OS. That's kind of different than what I've experienced in the past. Uh, but lineage OS again on April 1st did release version 18.1 an upgrade from version 17.1, which was based on Android 10. And they released it same day for 60 devices. Now this is different for lineage OS because normally lineage OS releases for a few devices at a time. And generally it will be some of the more popular, uh, hardware, you know, more popular smartphones in the community that would get first, first dibs on the latest version. For example, like the pixel phones, maybe even a Nexus phone, um, you know, and some other popular ones would end up getting lineage OS, you know, the newest version before any other, uh, any other device, but really they opened it right up with 60 devices, which is amazing in and of itself. I don't know if there are 60 devices in the entire Android ecosystem, not lineage OS, but that run, you know, more of a stock Android that, that have Android 11. I mean, Android 12, you know, we're, we're still kind of, I, I, I guess, you know, maybe toying with a beta or, or whatever version of it, you know, at the moment now, but it's, you know, it doesn't have its full release. Um, this is amazing to have this many smartphones. And this is the beauty of lineage OS to have this many devices running Android 11, you know, at the, with the latest security patch. Cause that's what the point one means. It usually means like a, uh, a month later security patch or something like that, that, that they've, they've built into it. Now, bear in mind with the point one, they usually don't do a point two. Um, they just do regular, what they call nightly releases that will, you know, that bring out varying patches and everything. And those can come out every couple days to a couple weeks. Sometimes it depends, uh, but you usually get w- at least one a month. Um, and this is, you know, b- before we get into the list again, I guess something else I want to bring up quick is that for the last two, three years on sovereign tech, I've been recommending buying Android one phones. Here's the problem is that Android one has 
kind of fallen away, uh, kind of fallen out of practice. Nokia still does it. And Nokia is still being really, really solid um, about their updates and their upgrade curve. In fact, I mean, they're bringing Android 11 probably to more phones than any other manufacturer um, with security patches and everything. But Moto Motorola has done a horrible job. Um, not that that's necessarily anything new, but they've, they've been doing a horrible job with their Android one promises. In my opinion, um, as late, there was a while where they seem to be doing pretty good with it. But again, Android one kind of seems to be falling away that whole program, uh, which is where, you know, phones would have a guaranteed amount of years of getting latest Android versions and security patches. Uh, Nokia has been doing good with it, but you know, I mean, if you were to ask, well, okay, I don't want to go the lineage OS route. What kind of phone would, should I get? Well, I think it really boils down to either a pixel phone or a Nokia phone pixel phones. There's rumor going around this year in 2021 that Google's actually developing their own processors. Now, much like, you know, Apple has done historically, uh, that, that gets interesting. I don't know that that necessarily gets good, but that, that certainly gets interesting, but that that's a side subject that maybe we'll get into in a future sovereign tech, um, when the prime episodes roll around again. Um, anyway, so I bring that up about Android one to say, this is why I'm recommending people go to lineage OS because the Android one program for a lot of phones is really failing and the shame. And as we go down this list, as you're going to see, there's no good reason why phones that are even five, six, maybe even older, uh, years old, why they can't keep getting the latest version of Android and keep in mind that there are a lot of exploits out there, right? Like stage fright 2.0 and other ones where if you're stuck at like Android eight or even at Android nine, even Google who has much improved security patching for Android in general, for the ecosystem in general, even Google isn't is basically saying, well, if you're not up to Android nine or Android 10, we can't help you. Like we, we can't do anything. There's whatever, I guess, supposedly there's a fundamental flaw in that previous version of Android that we just can't do a security patch on. So it makes a great argument for, for why, you know, a there's no good. Well, again, it makes the argument of why there's no good reason, actually the lack of argument, why there's no good reason that, you know, a phone from five years ago can't run the latest version of Android, but also why you want to buy phones that are a big deal within development communities. Uh, so that way you can keep getting the latest security patches, because look, if, if you consider your smartphone a necessary evil, then for fuck's sake, lock down that necessary evil as much as possible. Okay. If that's how you think about it, lock it down, secure it as much as you can. There's no need to let it run roughshod, even if you know and recognize it as the evil that it is. And also as we go down this list, I mean, again, it's going to call bullshit on the phone manufacturers for the phone manufacturers to make the claim that, oh, well, you know, that hardware is just too old. We, we can't put the latest version of Android on. That is horse shit, horse shit. In fact, one of the most impressive achievements with lineage OS 18.1, this is for, we'll start off with the tablet. This isn't this, this tablet is actually my longstanding dark Android recommendation. And it's the 2013, uh, Google Nexus seven Wi-Fi only. That's been my longstanding, like Android, uh, device recommendation. Now 
I think I, when I recently did an episode around the uh, fire tablet, it was the fire HD eight, which by the way, there's like a crazy discount going on with that right now for like 30 bucks off or something. And you can listen to my, uh, my episode about that where I reviewed it. Uh, Cause I was, I was actually very pleased uh, with the device, even though, you know, it's Amazon, but ultimately, you know, it's just an Android device anyway. Um, but I think I talked about it there where I said, yeah, okay. Now the, the Nexus seven, the 2013 Nexus seven can actually still run pretty good. If you're just putting lineage OS on it and you're just running after eight apps, the instant it's a great argument against the Google play store, the instant you put the Google play store on there, it chokes and it chokes hard to the point of just being completely unusable. You leave the Google play store off and you leave a lot of, you know, a, a lot of these uh, uh, more modern apps off and it's fine. Even running, uh, you know, like, and, and I had it running Android 10 at the latest. I had not put Android 11 on it, but that's far beyond where Google left off. Google left it on like Android six, maybe. And it ran it like a dream. As long as you didn't put the Google play store on there, that was key. But then maybe, you know, some people need certain apps that are in the Google play store. And look, you know, there are, there are a lot of different, um, there's a lot of different tricks that are being done or even alternative app stores that claim that they can run, uh, apps that are normally only in the Google play store that are not an Android that are not hundred percent open source, whatever, um, that won't, you know, and they say that they will work even without the Google play store. That's not true. hundred percent across the board. In fact, some very key apps that I use that is not true for, um, well, and again, when we get into the installation of lineage OS, there's a conversation to have around that, around putting on uh, G apps or Google apps as they're called and the Google play store in general. But anyway, the 2013 Nexus seven can run Android 11. That's amazing. <laughs> Google left it behind a long time ago. I mean, look, Google is like Apple actually pretty good about having phones say from five years back, still getting uh, latest updates you know, security patches and whatever else, maybe not so much new OS versions, though Apple's better about that than even Google. Um, but they're pretty good about, you know, maintaining to some degree their, their hardware and, you know, credit where credit's due. But that's just amazing that the Nexus seven can still run the latest version of Android. Just remarkable. Uh, I mean, not as well as, you know, newer hardware, but wow. Um, as far as hardware that you want, you know, let's start getting into that conversation. Cause that'll, that'll narrow down this, you know, 60 odd device list. Um, I think today now there's actually no good reason that you need, uh, at least three gig of Ram, you know, or in the range of two to four gigabytes of Ram, there's really no good reason for that. It all comes down to a lot of flash, meaning a lot of flashiness, you know, a lot of, a lot of sparkles. Okay. And like apps looking pretty is what I mean by that. Uh, because apps that do the same thing they did 10 years ago, that do the same exact thing. There's no reason when they were running on a, on a phone that had 512 megabytes that they, for some reason today to run smoothly need four gigabytes. That's just not, that, that just doesn't make any sense. And same with the OS for an OS that is largely doing the same thing that it did just a few years ago. There's no reason that it needs two to three to four times the spec jump, you know, when it's doing the same thing, it all comes down to things just looking pretty, or maybe it comes down to gestures, but who the fuck cares about that? 
<laughs> Bullshit. Uh, anyway, whatever. We're at the stage that we're at and to comfortably run lineage OS 18.1 or effectively Android 11. Uh, you really want, especially if you're going to have the Google play store on there, you want to look in that two gig to four gigabyte uh, of Ram range. At least you can get higher, but you want it. You want to be there. Four gig of Ram is, is the, is really the, the, the comfort zone, the very, you know, where it's going to run uh, fairly buttery smooth, if not better than fairly. Uh, the Google pixel line has been friendly to developers lineage OS or not. Uh, so that's a great option. That whole line is a great option, um, for lineage OS, uh, and will be supported for a very long time. And in fact, for a lot of other custom ROMs, many of them will only, uh, support, you know, and develop for, uh, pixel devices, uh, to lineage OS to the community's credit. They actually support all the way back to the Nexus six that that Hulk or at the time would seem to be a Hulk uh, of a smartphone, but they also support all the way up to the pixel five, you know, the latest gen, the device that I believe in 2020, I called the last smartphone. Uh, the pixel four a is also on this list. And really, you know, because as we've talked about in 2020 and before how much bullshit five G is, and you don't want to buy into that and you don't have to, um, the pixel four a is I'm basically, I'm going to make there's, there's three top recommendations I'm going to make here on this list. The pixel four a is in that top three, uh, of ones to, to pick up. But if you are really interested in being anti Google, you know, by putting on lineage OS and so on, and you're not going to do the Google play store or whatever, uh, you know, if you want to say, fuck you to Google, then obviously you don't want to buy their hardware either. So I'd understand why you wouldn't want to go with them. Uh, the pixel four a does also have the, you know, what I consider the lack of feature of, it doesn't have a micro SD card slot. Otherwise, uh, it's also not waterproof. Now that's not a requirement. And some people might want to argue that actually a phone being waterproof is a bad thing because you can't toss it into, I don't know, a toilet bowl or, or a lake or an ocean <laughs> if you want to fry it. Uh, <laughs> but but, you know, for, for what we're talking about here, I think having, um, you know, having any kind of waterproofing rating or water resistance rating, like, you know, what is it? IPX 67 or whatever it is. Uh, you know, I, I think that that's, that's a good thing, but regardless, you know, that it is, it is kind of missing that, um, I did a full review of the pixel four a in a previous episode. It was actually, I think it was called the last smartphone or the last phone. And, you know, you can, you can hear what I have to say about that, but I was actually pretty positive towards it. Uh, and that has, you know, the specs that you, that you want plenty of gigs of Ram, you know, a fine processor, the whole thing that's going to last you a very long time. And with lineage OS, you can definitely count on, uh, the pixel line again, being developed for pretty regularly. I mean, if there's a new, and basically there is, if there's an, it's an annual cycle of releases for new versions of Android, it's a pretty good bet that you're going to be going up to like Android 15, at least with especially the latest in pixel devices. Um, because that's, you know, largely a lot of the philosophy around why, or the, the ethos around lineage OS development is making smartphones go for as long as they can. I mean, if you remember like the galaxy S three, the S three, you know, we're on what the S 27, I don't know what, you know, I know it's not 27, but, 
uh, the Galaxy S3 was developed for forever. <laughs> I mean, just forever. You, you know, you, you could put something on there. Uh, but, or, you know, like lineage OS, but anyway, pixel four a fine choice, uh, to go with the other phone on here. Uh, the, the two other phones that I think are of particular interest, I'll put a link in the show notes so that you can get a full list, uh, of the, of the supported devices. You definitely want to keep your eye on it. If you're, you know, any phone you're looking at, look, even if you don't plan on putting lineage OS on right now, think about the future, right? Eckhart. Uh, <laughs> think about the future and, you know, is it something that would be supported if I ever wanted to? I think that that's something to look at when you're purchasing a new phone. Um, the LG, there's a lot of LG devices on this. I'm not going to recommend any of them. In fact, I think LG is basically going to get out of the smartphone business here pretty soon. Um, it, it's, it's really looking like that. That doesn't, that's not speaking against LG devices. In fact, it's kind of a positive in that lineage OS is available for so many of them, but yeah, I, I, I don't know if I'd go with, with, with LG uh, on any of these. Where I would go, though, even though I just ripped on Motorola, uh, the phone that will not die, uh, the, the little wonder, is the Moto X4. And if there were, if, if, the, if I was doing a, you know, if we were going to rank within the top three that I'm going to mention, this would be in the number one spot. The Moto X4 is a phone that is now about four years old, even though there was a slight refresh on it where the onboard storage went to 30, went from 32 gig to 64 gig. And I think that was in like 2019 when that version came out, but the Moto X4 has been around since 2017. Uh, it has all the specs you want. It has the four, you know, the four gig of Ram, um, it has the 64 gig of onboard storage. It has the micro SD card slot that can go up to, I want to say 512. I think the, the micro SD card slot can do it's either 256 or 512. Um, it has, you know, the 3000 milliampere battery that, that goes a pretty good distance. Um, and I can say that because, or actually, no, I think it can do the, the two terabyte, uh, micro SD cards. Now I'm thinking of it, but I can say that about the battery being very good, uh, because, I mean, my Moto X4 is my daily driver has been for some time and it is running lineage OS 18.1 right now. Um, but yeah, it has the IP 68 rating. Uh, so it is, you know, fairly waterproof, right. Without having to put any funny rubber over the, uh, you know, over the USB C port. Yep. It has USB C has NFC has, you know, every feature you could want has every radio you could want. It's not just GSM. It also has CDMA. In fact, if you're, if you're a Google Fi subscriber, it was one of the only non-Google phones. In fact, for a while, it was the only non-Google phone that worked with Google Fi. That, that was a certified device, uh, you know, for that, for that telco or MVNO in, in Google Fi's case. You know, which, because Google Fi's, one of its things was that it could work, it could basically use any carrier's towers, right? It could use Verizon team or U.S. Cellular technically, T-Mobile, uh, Sprint, whatever, you know, it, it could use basically any of them. Um, and so the Moto X4 is an, is a technically impressive phone and full featured, and you can get one. I want to be careful with this for reasons that I talked about earlier, but you can get one for around a hundred bucks right now. Um, sub 150 anyway. And I think they're, especially if, and you can still find them new. And it, it like, especially the 2019 model, like the refresh with the, with the 64 gig onboard storage, 
And th- this phone's going to last you forever. <laughs> I mean, it's going to, I have no intention of buying another phone, especially now that it's been proven that the lineage OS community is really standing behind this phone. Um, I have kept, well, so anyway, I, I mean, just a couple other features with, with the Moto X4, the Moto X4 does also have, what is it? Turbocharging, right? Where it charges, you know, it, it, it uses, uh, was a quick charge three O or whatever, where, where it charges really, or maybe it's only two O, but regardless, it charges very fast uh, when you have the right charger for it. As in, I think if you charge it for like 15 minutes, you get five hours of life out of it. I mean, that's, that's, that's great. So it may not have like the latest and greatest versions of certain technologies. Uh, I think it has Bluetooth 4.2, so it doesn't have 5.0, that kind of sucks from a security standpoint, but is what it is. Uh, but it has some version of the latest and greatest on it, uh, which really, you know, between it and the 4A, I mean, the 4A would be better if it had, if the 4A had the IP68 water resistance rating, it'd probably take it. But I think because of the water resistance and the micro SD card slot, um, I think the Moto X4 is still basically the best phone around. And the, and I have the Android one version and they basically after December, 2020, I haven't, I hadn't seen an update since uh, they or no, actually it was October, 2020. I think is when I saw the last update go out and, and I waited months and there were, there were no further manufacturer security patches uh, out there. And to say nothing of the fact that Motorola kind of bullshitted in that, okay, this is the Android one version is technically, you know, especially the refresh is technically a newer model. It should have been upgraded to Android 10. It never went above Android nine, but thank you. Lineage OS with even version 17.1, I got it up to Android 10, making it a very secure device. And again, you know, even from a hardware standpoint, uh, oh, also it has uh, a one eighth jack for headphones. Woo. You can't count on that all the time. Um, but the USB-C thing, like I've talked about this recently where I really like having, you know, any device that I have can basically be charged with one charger, right. You know, with one USB-C or with one type of port anyway, uh, this certainly fits in with that, which is, you know, a nice bit of future proofing and it really feels future proofed. Um, especially considering now that I did install version 18 or lineage OS 18.1 on it. Uh, and it's running Android 11 like a dream. Now I will talk about Android 11 a little bit more, but I got one more phone I want to mention to you. And this is a phone that was released in uh, 2016. I think it initially came out and boy, is there a story <laughs> around this phone? And that is the Le Echo Pro 3. Now, years ago, I called this the best phone out there when it first came out. And I picked one up when it first came out. And at the time, for the $300 price tag in 2016, it was a monster for that price tag, what it had. I mean, talk about a future-proof device. And yes, proof is in the pudding, what I said in 2016, that you're, you could use this, this phone is meant to last and could last you for years and years and well into the 2020s. I said those exact words and point proven, right? Because lineage OS 18.1 has also been made available for the Le echo pro three or the lay pro three, but the company is made by is Le echo. Now I don't want to get into a huge history lesson around Le echo, but basically in 2016, Le echo which is a, was at the time a Chinese tech giant 
was looking to come into America with all kinds of wild devices, electric bikes, car. I mean, just all kinds of crazy shit, not just smartphones, but their smartphones were kind of like their, their first proof of concept and what they did actually release in the country. And again, at the time for $300, you got a beast of a phone with the 64 gig of onboard storage, basically specs that match the Moto X four. Um, all the, all the antennas, everything that I just described for the Moto X four, but you know, developed a year or two previous and actually many years before the 2019 refresh of, you know, of, of the Moto X four. And it had all this in 2016 USB-C everything. Okay. Now it doesn't have a one eighth Jack. Like I mentioned with the Moto X four, it also doesn't have the IP 68, uh, rating, but it has the 1080p screen, uh, you know, the IPS screen, um, it has, it has awesome. The speakers on this thing are better than any, any device I listed off here so far. Uh, it has the bottom firing speakers, stereo speakers. Fucking sounds great for a smartphone. Uh, you know, I mean, Wi-Fi AC. I mean, this was at the time, this was really, really cutting edge, advanced stuff, quick neck or uh, uh, quick charge 3.0. Like we talked about with the Moto X4 again, but all before the Moto X4, you know, even came out. Um, it's really a phone that had it all. And even to this day kind of has it all, which is why it's not a surprise that it's still so popular within the lineage OS community and can easily handle Android 11. So this is a, if this is a phone that you picked up years ago on my recommendation, you're in great shape. (laughs) And the beauty of it was that at the time, like, so basically, again, I don't want to get into a history lesson. Basically, Le Echo failed. And like the CEO actually ran away and went to go work for um, Faraday Future or whatever in the States and was like in exile uh, because I think he was literally scared for his life because Le Echo like tanked that all their plans, just none of it took off. And I don't know, the Piper had to get paid or what. And, and, and the company just, I mean, it still kind of exists, but everything shut down. it's a really crazy story to, to, to look into. And so what happened was, is that inside of just a few months after the, uh, La pro three came out at $300, which is a fine price on its own. These phones ended up, you know, these, these flagship class phones at the time ended up getting sold for sub $200, which was, was crazy, you know, to, to get a, a phone with that kind of power at, at that price point. And so that's why, you know, a ton of people were buying them out and the lineage OS community jumped right on it because they're like, well, Echo might've tanked, but they got this great phone out there that we can get for nothing because, uh, because nobody wants to support it. And so, you know, no retailers wanted to really sell it. So they were just trying to liquidate their stock more or less of this thing. And, uh, and, and the community scooped it up. I mean, I'm holding mine right now in my hands. I still have it. Actually, I just dropped it. but it's fine. <laughs> I just tipped over to pick it up, uh, but it's totally fine. Uh, and it's still a gorgeous, like it has this nice gold, um, uh, you know, th- that's when like gold and whatever the metal looking phones kind of became a thing for, for a little while, even though it's still sort of a thing, but I mean, it has a great, you know, gold, uh, actually this is, I think the rose gold uh, version of it, that, that just a great look, very classy. Uh, but it still runs Android 11 and I think it's going to run Android 12 and I think it's going to run Android 13. And I say that because also, and and this I think is ultimately a good thing 
in the Android space is, I mean, there are bad things coming down the pike for, for Android, in my opinion. But the good thing is that new Android versions like Android 11 and even Android 12, which is upcoming. And we talked about this on Sovereign Tech proper on Sovereign Tech Prime episodes uh, recently that they are, Google is now looking at enabling developers instead of coming out with more customer technologies that might end up being bullshit anyway. So they're not trying to please customers necessarily. They're trying to enable developers and give developers more options, which of course arguably could end up being better and should end up better for, uh, for the consumer, you know, for the user. So, you know, new versions of Android should not come with a bunch of wild ass features that need, you know, newer hardware say, or that need more horsepower, uh, under the hood. And that's a good thing, you know, because that means that these phones that I'm recommending and that you buy now should actually last you many, many years while still being very secure devices, thanks to the lineage OS development community. So that's why I have no problem recommending this top three. Uh, again, that being Google pixel four, a the La pro three from La echo and the Moto X four, uh, are the three, you know, what's the ultimate smartphone. One of those three, if he had to choose any out of those, uh, out of that three, I, cause actually I think it is kind of hard to get your hands on a La pro three. Now I would personally recommend the Moto X four just for its versatility and the fact that you can at least as of this recording, get it for a song. Now I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that I do know the lineage OS community loves the Xiaomi Poco F1. I know they love that phone. So that's one that probably isn't going to go anywhere for many years to come either. But this is the thing to do because there is, you know, these devices are so expensive. There's no reason whatsoever that they shouldn't be supported other than, and even, even to say that, well, it costs too much to have development teams, um, you know, make security patches or new versions of, you know, or, you know, tailor new versions of Android for the specific device and so on. Even that doesn't make sense. The lineage OS community just does this out of passion, right? In their spare time. And you're going to tell me that the cost of paying for even just one or two developers to make the tweaks so that the Moto X4 can get Android 11, uh, doesn't, you know, somehow compares to the, or is, is above the cost of say when a massive security exploit, you know, is, is found and maybe even enacted upon by bad actors or that there's data leaks or whatever else you're going to tell me that those costs somehow like equate no way. It's gotta be way cheaper to, to just hire a couple developers, you know, that, that tailor, you know, everybody, you have a large team working on, you know, whatever latest version of Android, uh, you're working on for your devices. And then you just have, you know, two or three guys out of that massive department working on specific devices. That's all it takes. And I know that that's all it takes. I mean, I've, I've talked to, uh, you know, to, to coders at a lot of these manufacturers and I know how that process goes. Um, that's all it takes. There's no, the, the argument that it costs too much is, is bullshit. There's no, it really just all comes down to, they, they want to feed you 
or they want you to buy the latest and greatest by feeding you this horseshit line that, Oh, only this phone can really run Android 11. No, that that's crap. It's utter crap. Don't fall for it. And if you love you some market signals, then send the market signal of, I am not going to buy your, you know, new block of sensors. I'm going to use one that's already five years old and run the latest and greatest software on it. Choke on that slap nuts. Anyway, um, so let's talk a little bit about uh, Lineage OS 18.1 and the process of installing it. So if you're already running Lineage OS, you know that when a new version, not just like a nightly update, but when a new version comes out, like from 17.1 to 18.1, that you can't just do that through the automatic updater or through the updater uh, built into Lineage OS. You have to download it. You know, you're going to have to connect the phone to your computer. You have to do the ADB side load and all that. I'm not going to describe everything here about it, but you know that that's the process you have to go through. Something I want to warn you about if you're doing this, and it may even come up when you're just not just upgrading, say from 17.1 to 18.1, but when you're installing stock uh, or you're doing a fresh install, I should say, of 18.1 onto one of these phones, something you might run into in the ADB console is it will stop. The installation will seem to stop at 47% and then end. You'll get the, the end message. I have found out, took some digging. I have found out that the Lineage OS uh, uh, install stopping at 47% is actually, it's 100%. It's just kind of a bug where the install hasn't been updated to account for the new install sizes, you know, the file sizes and everything. At least that's that's kind of the, what I what I came to understand uh, because of this. So if it stops at 47% and then it finishes and says it's done, go ahead. All you got to do is reboot and you're done. Unless you need to, you know, install G apps. If you need to install, you know, the Google play store on it, then of course you need to do that before you boot up uh, lineage OS for the first time. Now that's something else that's interesting. Um, there have been for years, different packages for um, for installing G apps on lineage OS. I was intrigued to find that now there's basically one generic package, depending upon your, uh, your processor architecture. Like, is it arm 64 or is it just arm? Now there's one for arm and there's one for arm 64, but instead of there being like nano G apps, micro G apps, which would kind of change what G apps you got and everything. Now it's just one package and it's called mind the gaps, which is Get it? Mind the G apps, mind the gaps, which is very clever. <laughs> but now it's just one package that you get. And also it doesn't appear to be model specific really anymore either. It is architecture specific, but there's only two architectures more or less uh, now. And so keep, you know, look out for that. That might seem strange to you because I'm used to doing it where you choose what type of G apps you wanted to put on. Uh, usually I would do, I've been doing nano for years and, and everything, but now when you do a fresh install, it's going to give you the, some of the options on that, but just something to keep in mind. That's, that's fairly new. Maybe that'll change as we get later into the development cycle for lineage OS 18.1, but that's where we're at right now. So if that, if that seems strange to you, it's not strange. The 47% thing and the fact that there's just one G apps package now, uh, not, not strange at all. 
Now, as far as what do I think of Lineage OS 18.1 slash Android 11, what do I think of that uh, so far? Um, I'm actually very impressed. Uh, I like a lot of what it does, especially when it comes to notifications, because I feel like notifications are kind of the, well, they're a double-edged sword with Android. Okay. One of the reasons I can't really get into iOS is because you don't have on the status bar at the top. You, I mean, you have a notification drawer like you do on Android, but you don't really have like all the, all the, the, um, the notifications in the status bar. And that just annoys the hell out of me because I feel like I constantly have to fiddle with the phone more instead of it having, you know, having it be a little more of a passive experience where I can just kind of glance, you know, at the phone. Cause a lot of times I'll have my phone plugged in sitting next to my monitor, um, on a little stand, you know, and I use it more like basically like a notification screen. And so I want those notifications, you know, to really like to show up, but I want to see them more at a glance. I don't want to have to be really proactive with my phone. Uh, another nice thing, actually side comment, another nice thing. I did not know this. The Moto X four has a notification light. It doesn't have multiple colors, but it does have a notification light. I couldn't activate it until I put lineage OS on. I love notification lights. I think there I'm conspiratorial about notification lights, which were basically these little lights that were on the front panel near the front camera on a smartphone that if you got, you know, a message, an email, whatever, instead of your phone buzzing or the screen turning on a light would pop up. Okay. You know, would, would come up and they used to be multicolored, uh, or yeah, multicolored capable LEDs where you could set the color. So you knew what the notification light was in reference to, was it a signal message? Was it an email? What, you know, whatever. Um, I really think that they basically killed notification lights because it kept people from looking at their screens and allowed them to ignore their smartphone a little bit more. I really feel that way because they're great battery savers, great screen savers, no pun intended. They're great. I mean, they're just, and great eye savers overall, uh, as well as mind savers, as far as notification goes, I am such a big fan of that. And it's so nice to have a notification light again, even though I can't change the color, I can set the specific apps that give me the notification and it's, and it's fucking awesome. Um, anyway, that doesn't really have to do with Android 11. Uh, Android 11, as far as notifications gives you a lot of granular control around how you receive notifications. Um, I mean, it's, it's really, really impressive. They also brought in, which I'm kind of surprised by They brought chat bubbles back. It doesn't work for every chat app, but it does work for telegram. Um, it works for SMS. It works for some others where you can get, you know, little message bubbles. The other cool thing, as far as conversations go, because what a smartphone should be good for is, or should, you know, basically, you know, can be used for is consuming some media. Sure. You know, podcasts like this one, uh, and, and for communicating That's the concept of a phone. So now instead of your notification drawer being like just flooded with a bunch of different apps. Now it actually puts together like audible and Plex and smart audiobook player and whatever else that will have its own, like kind of sub drawer in the notification drawer that you can flip through and close as you see fit. And conversations will actually have their own drawer where you can see like them all lined up. Um, and so you don't have this, this 
waste of vertical space with all of these different notifications that like you're just trying to swipe through. And the other, the other issue too, is that a lot of times I would swipe something that would just come up instantly when I meant to swipe, it was actually below it. But because the notification came in so fast, it's kind of an issue. And with communication apps to have a separate drawer that doesn't just swipe away, I think is a very good thing. Um, you know, as far as UI perspective goes. And so, you know, those, those are really the kind of the main consumer facing or user facing, uh, aspects to Android 11. And I, I, I think that there, those two are improvements. Like I, I dig uh, what they're doing. You can also, speaking of with like, say, if you're listening to music on Plex, um, from the lock screen or from the notification drawer, you can change what the output is. Uh, you know, like what speakers does it go to? Is it going to Bluetooth connected speakers? Is it going to the headphones that are connected? Uh, and you can just instantly hot change that with the little lozenge uh, that appears, you know, on, on, on the drawer, uh, which is, or, you know, within the notification itself, which I think is really cool. And then you're just getting all the, you know, again, all the latest, uh, you know, Android 11 security updates, and you're getting them pretty regularly with lineage OS. So it's a win overall. Now we're talking about the ultimate smartphone. What about people that are in Apple's ecosystem? Okay. Look, (laughs) you're there. Stick with an iPhone. It's okay. In fact, I mean, overall, like I've been really enjoying the stability of Android 11 over Android 10 that I've experienced, at least with the Moto X4. Um, you know, on iOS, things just fucking work, man. You know, <laughs> like credit where credit's due. Um, I mean, I, I still, I, I feel like the lack of control, even though iOS has expanded how much control you have, say if you're more of a smartphone power user, you've certainly gotten a lot more options in the past couple of years with iOS 13 and 14, no doubt. Okay. Um, but I still don't think you're at the level of granular control that Android offers and that lineage OS offers to an even greater degree than stock Android. Um, but I mean, I, you know, I'll give iOS this, like I just never have fucking issues. Like apps just work. And of course that's easy for it to do because you have a very set hardware spectrum to work within. It's not 60 devices. It's not, you know, uh, uh, hundreds or even thousands of different uh, device models. It's, you know, five, six, I don't know, however many there are at at any given time that are actively developed for. iOS just works. And there is absolutely a valid argument to be made for an operating system, for a platform to just let you get shit done and be reliable. There's absolutely an argument for that. Okay. And I will give iOS, again, I will give it its due in that and, and I, I, it's funny, I say it all the time uh, to Ellen. I'll say like, cause you know, I mean, I have iOS, I have an iOS device and I say it all the time. It's like, man, it's like, I fucking hate Apple, but damn, does iOS work? <laughs> you know, and it just works. Uh, so I will give it that. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to say it's the most privacy centric platform. I won't say it's the most secure platform, especially if you're a power user. If you know what you're doing, you can take security on Android to heights that iOS can only dream of. But, um, you know, it does just work. In fact, you know, not only that, here's another thing I have, 
I have very specific headphone tastes. Very specific. Um, there are very few headphones that I actually like. Very few. Uh, and there's even fewer that I would say even that I love. Uh, Apple's earpods, not AirPods, not AirPods. I do not like AirPods. I will not wear AirPods. I have no interest in AirPods. Fuck AirPods. AirPods are the death of human civilization. Okay. Well, maybe that's not so much of a problem, but, uh, it's the death of the human condition. That's a problem. Uh, (laughs) that's a problem. AirPods are horrible. Okay. Besides the fact that they look like jizz hanging out of your ear there, they are horrible on a million levels that we've already talked about. Apple's ear pods though, especially the ones that, you know, still have the one eighth Jack on them. Like the ones that I got with my iPod touch are awesome. They are awesome. They are the best headphones. Yeah. Like, so here's the thing. I I don't like in ear phones. And I mean like ones with like the suction cups and all that. I, I like to be able to hear, um, I like on ear. Well, not, I mean, you know, earphones and on ear headphones are kind of two separate things. Um, but I like, I like headphones where I still have uh spatial awareness where I, I can still hear what's going on around me. Okay. That's very important to me. And that's the thing is that there are, there are maybe, maybe four or five models out there that are still actively uh, manufactured that do that. Even that, that aren't actively manufactured. You're lucky if there's even 20 that have ever been made, you know, like ever. Okay. Add into like the desire for a, a hook design that can like wrap around your ear and maybe you could find two or three especially ones that can fit on a big head like mine. It is a challenge for me to find great headphones. But once again, I'll give Apple its due. Their ear pods are amazing. The sound is rich. The sound best, anything that Sony puts out there. And they're like the last holdouts of people that still develop um, in-ear headphones, or, or should I say, uh, or that develop earphones and not in-ear headphones earphones, different thing. They, they're still kind of, yeah, they're kind of like on your ear, but they're and kind of in it, but they're still out of it to where you can hear your surroundings. Uh, they're great. And in fact, I got these things, what do they call ear buddies where it's a hook and loop and it's bendable and it just like clips onto the earphone and then it, it can like, they, they stay in my ears. It's great. In fact, the bendable part, I'm wondering why the fuck does no other company make these? You know, so look, I'm glad that Apple makes the earphone, you know, with the microphone built in, the volume controls, all that jazz. I am so glad that that's a thing. You hear me? All right. So if for anything other than that, I'm glad the iPhone exists because that means we have earphones, not air, not AirPods, uh, but we have, you know, great uh, earpods is what I, I think they were calling them. I am using them right now as my monitors, as I am making this show. They are the best headphones around. Awesome. I use them when I'm playing on my switch or my 3ds. I'm using them. I'm using them all the time. They're fucking great. Okay. So there, you got a little bonus recommendation of great, great headphones. Uh, otherwise I have an old pair of Plantronics that I use, or I have my, um, my under armor, uh, rock, uh, headphones. Those, those are great for, for the gym, but I, I really don't like using Bluetooth headphones for Bluetooth reasons. Um, 
health reasons, blood brain barrier, you know, it's not, it's, I'm not writing off blue Bluetooth in general. I'm just saying Bluetooth that close to your fucking brain concerns. Uh, so, but uh, yeah, the Apple ear pods. Great. So there you go. You got a little bonus recommendation in there. Um, I think that does it for the ultimate smartphone. You get why uh, the, why of my recommendations, these are all smartphones that you can get for a, at least as of this recording, a very low price. Uh, I mean, even the, the pixel four a, you know, only costs like 300, which in comparison to flagship phones is, is cheap. Right. Uh, but the Moto X four, you know, is, is the, still the top pick, uh, and running Android 11, it's just that much better and a very secure platform, uh, with lineage OS 18.1. And again, sovereign tech, I speak for everyone at sovereign tech, our deepest thanks. And I mean, Ellen, everybody, I know our deepest thanks for, to the lineage OS development community. You are making these horrible devices remotely palatable. And that is no small feat. So thank you for your hard work. Uh, and hopefully we get to a future maybe where we could have devices kind of like smartphones, but that are a lot more respecting to the individual. So I'll wrap this one up, uh, more sovereign tech to come more to come in the ultimate series as well. I will see all of you woo, on the other side. Hey, is sovereign tech not enough for you? Well, let me tell you about something you'll never get enough of. No, no, I mean it. We're talking about a radio show and podcast that goes all night long, seven nights a week, three hours a night, 365 days a year, and has been going since the early aughts, baby. I am talking about none other than Free Talk Live. It's the show you control. That's right. It's an open phones call-in show that is ready for you. And if you're worried that your voice isn't going to get heard, don't be. We are talking about the only libertarian radio show stateside. And not only that, it's also the number 26 talk show in the United States. Start listening now and go ahead and hit that massive back catalog at freetalklive.com. The Golden Stallion guarantees a good time. And you might even find some episodes with me on them when you do. That's freetalklive.com. And we thank them for sponsoring Sovereign Tech.